0: Welcome to the RTI Time Machine. Today's Time Traveler is...
1: John Van Trieste.
0: And the destination...
1: Wu Few families in Taiwan's history have reached the illustrious heights that the Linz of Wu Feng have. With their wealth and influence, they stood center stage in three eras of Taiwan's history... From the battlefield to government and culture, they distinguished themselves in a range of fields. They also built a grand family compound, containing what may be Taiwan's most precious collection of historic buildings. In this series of programs, we'll be joined by Mr. Lin, part of the family's ninth generation to live in Taiwan. We'll wander the compound, exploring the buildings and gardens, and hearing about their history. We'll also hear about the disaster that nearly flattened it all. To start off with, though, we're taking a look this week at where the family came from and how it climbed so high. The first of the Lin's in Taiwan was Lin Shi, who arrived in 1746. He was among the ethnic Chinese migrants crossing to the parts of Taiwan, then under imperial Chinese rule. Like many, he came in search of land and a better life. In later generations, the family would make its way to the wu area of central Taiwan. Taiwan has an awful lot of people named Lin, and adding the name of the family's home base helped people distinguish the Wu-Feng Lin family from the rest. Up until the fifth generation in Taiwan, the wu Lin family was completely ordinary. Then came the 1850s. As a rebel group threatened Taiwan, family member Lin Wen Cha emerged as a successful militia leader. He'd never led an official force before, but his success made those in charge pay attention. The secret to his success was the rapport between his men. They all knew each other from back in Wu Feng, and they fought on together with a sense of purpose. Hired troops of the day, by contrast, had low morale and little motivation. Mr. Lin says these official troops often broke ranks and fled. Lin Wencha would go on to become a military official of the highest rank. In the end, he'd be called away to help the empire put down the bloody Taiping rebellion, and he'd lose his life while on campaign away from Taiwan. Back home, though, he'd left a legacy— a rising family name and a pair of buildings he'd had constructed next to the old family home, the first seat of the family compound. Lin's military genes would pass on to the sixth generation. In the 1880s, when France invaded the northern city of Quilong, Lin Chaodong got together 500 militiamen and helped hold up French forces. But Lin Chaodong would not follow his father by dying in battle. Instead, he made a career change, one that would make the family's
0: fortune.
1: It all started with a railroad. After the war with France, Taiwan was upgraded to a full-fledged province. Taiwan's first provincial governor, Liu Mingchuan, had seen Lin's contributions during the war and gave him a job. The governor wanted to build Taiwan's first railroad, but Mr. Lin says getting access to wood for railroad ties was a problem. The trees were in the heavily forested mountains, and logging brought conflict with local indigenous peoples. By lending the protection of their by now famous militia, the Wu Feng Lin family helped make sure the railroad got built. While in the forests, the Wu Feng Lin's men made a discovery camphor trees.
0: 80% of the world.
1: In the 19th century, the camphor made from this wood was a big global commodity used, among other things, for making smokeless gunpowder. And Taiwan just happened to be one of the world's richest sources of the raw material. Lin Chaodong was given a post, one that put him in control of the government monopoly on Taiwan's camphor. At one point, Mr. Lin says, 80% of the world's camphor supply came to pass through his family's hands. The Wu Fenglin family was now wealthy as well as influential. With this money, they added even more buildings to the family compound and established a garden considered one of Taiwan's finest. It's not without reason that the compound is often called a mansion. But the family wasn't just enriching itself. Camphor lifted the economic fortunes of a whole region of Taiwan, a mountainous stretch of the north that was otherwise resource-poor. In this Camphor country, Lin Chaodong was a popular man. Out of gratitude for the better life he made possible, people in one corner of Miaoli County even enshrined him in a local temple. And this was no memorial. When the people started worshipping him, he was very much still alive.
0: In 1895,
1: Japan took control of Taiwan, beginning a 50-year period of colonial rule. Under the new order, the Wu Fenglins could no longer fight. But though they had to disarm, the Wu Fenglin family kept going strong. Mr. Lin says the colonial authorities valued local elites like his family. And by the end of the Japanese era, the Wu Lin's were classed as one of Taiwan's five great families. The star of this new era was Lin Xian Tang, a champion of both public education and Taiwanese home rule. The Japanese period saw the founding of a modern school system in Taiwan. But for the first few decades of Japanese rule, the island's middle schools were reserved for the children of Japanese colonials. In 1915, Lin Xientang was among those who gathered the funds to build their own middle school in the city of Taichung. They donated it to the authorities on the condition that it be a school for Taiwanese students. It was the first school of its kind. Middle school opened the way for even higher education, and many of this school's early students would go on to impressive careers.
0: Taiwan can learn from Ireland and Ireland.
1: Once, Lin Xian Tang met the visiting Chinese reformist Liang Qichao and the meeting left him inspired. From him, Lin got the idea of trying to change the terms of colonial rule. Perhaps Taiwan's relationship with Japan could be redefined, taking as a model proposals for home rule in Ireland. Taiwan could have autonomy and even its own elected assembly in charge of local affairs. Lin Xientang became part of a push to make Home Rule a reality, even traveling to Japan to deliver petitions. There was enthusiasm, but results never came. Home Rule by itself wouldn't be enough for Taiwan anyway. Lin Xientang had traveled widely, and he came to share a conviction Taiwanese intellectuals were coming to agree on. In order to advance Taiwan's position in the world, Taiwan's people needed culture and education. In the 1920s, the Taiwan New Culture Movement sprang up in response, and Lin was a leading figure. During the 1930s, Lin Xian Tang and his son also took leading roles in another organization that put together public lectures and screenings of films. Politics, economics, and even handicrafts, the topics were varied but all had the common goal of raising Taiwan's educational and cultural level.
0: The end of World War II in
1: 1945 also brought the end of Japanese rule. Now the family's fortunes were about to change. Whereas the old imperial order had lifted the family to the highest heights, and the Japanese authorities had at least respected the family, the new post-war government wanted to hem it in. Chiang Kai shek was now in charge, and he wanted to break the kind of local power that landowners like the Wu Feng Lins had. The way he set about doing this was through land reform. Mr. Lin said the process involved nationalizing land in exchange for stock. He says the policy sent the family's influence and wealth quickly tumbling. It was exactly as the new government had hoped. Lin Xian Tang couldn't abide by this program, and he left for Japan never to return. Today, the Wu Fenglin family protects irreplaceable pieces of cultural heritage, a legacy for all Taiwan. Next week, we're meeting the buildings that make up the family compound, and also heading to the gardens, a place of poetic views with a literary past. I'm John Van Trieste, and I hope you'll join me again next week for another Journey Through Time.